you and your friends burst out of the burning tavern into the stormy night. You've managed to avoid the bandits in the confusion, but you feel your pocket and realize that the treasure map is missing. The bandits must have taken it when they ambushed you. Do you and your friends flee into the storm or do you charge back into the burning building to get that map? Welcome to the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Now, it's confession time. I love Dungeons and Dragons. I love the adventure. I love the high fantasy. I love stuffing my face with Doritos. But I get why some people are turned off by the whole thing. I mean, it's almost impossible to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, otherwise known as D&D, without using certain kinds of words. Words like elf or wizard, or the cringiest one of them all, dungeon master. But when you're a kid, you don't care about that stuff. Wizards, elves, they're awesome. And all the drama and the action of an epic adventure, it's just the best. But it's not long before you and your friends get older. And it's hard to find the time to get together. So the game comes to an end. But that need to spend time with your friends doesn't go away. The carrion have already eaten the flesh away from the bones of the fallen who have not been buried. But again, the overriding sense is a feeling of seriousness and sadness as if something bad has happened here or something unholy has tainted this area. Okay, as I say- This is Robert Wardoff, and he didn't want to stop playing D&D. From the time I was in high school to going to university to going to grad school and then entering my own career, it's really been a way that I keep my friends together. Robert found this kind of loophole. He figured he would never lose touch with his friends if the game that they started playing as kids just never ended. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for 35 years. That's 35 years playing the same game. As far as I know, this is the longest continuous Dungeons and Dragons game ever. I'm Drew Beebe, and today, in the final episode of our first season of Great Big Story, we'll introduce you to the ultimate storyteller. Decades before Game of Thrones, back when most people were listening to music on cassettes, Robert Wardoff began taking people on adventures to far-off lands, and he's never stopped. He created a community of players through the power of his story, and he's kept his friends playing a single game of Dungeons & Dragons for 35 years. Quick note here, we actually interviewed Robert back in 2017, so his game is now 38 years running. It's not difficult to tell which direction to go because you're in a natural path. Not a road, but you can tell that there's only one way that... Robert is standing over a large table. He's in the Finnish basement of his suburban home in London, Ontario, in Canada. Spread across the surface is a miniature scene a wooded valley with steep cliffs on either side, and in the forest lay the remains of a battle. And seated around this table are the players, eight guys who have come from across Canada to take part in this adventure. Robert is in his early 50s. He's got broad shoulders and auburn-colored hair, and as he conducts his game, he has this serious look on his face. But 
being Canadian, he is, of course, extremely nice. He started playing D&D at the age when most people do. He was a teenager. I began playing Dungeons and Dragons from a friend of mine uh, who brought the game to me in 1982. But when this friend went home, he forgot some of the Dungeons and Dragons rule books at Robert's house. And that is when Robert really dug into the game. When I first started playing Dungeons and Dragons, like most groups, I played from pre-designed adventures. But by the time I was done high school, after playing for about three years, I realized that it was in a lot of ways more interesting and it allowed more freedom for the players if I allowed them to decide where they were going to go. And he started creating rules that were very different from the official Dungeons & Dragons rules. But before we get into Robert's game, we need to understand a little bit about how to play Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons is a fantasy role-playing game in which you're able to basically be any type of character you want in an imaginary world and do almost anything you want. The game was created back in 1974 by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Since then, there have been many revisions and hundreds of different rulebooks, manuals, and supplemental materials, but the fundamentals have stayed the same. It's basically a game where you play sitting at a table. You and your friends pretend to be a band of heroes in a fantasy world. You're going on adventures, you're slaying monsters, saving innocent lives. But it's not a board game. The whole thing can take place with a few sheets of paper and some dice. And it all starts when you create your character. And this is where the role-playing comes in. Who do you want to be in this fictional world? A noble hero? A cunning thief? A mystical druid? And once you've poured your creativity into your persona at the table, you are now that person. And so when you sit around the table, people will call you by that name you will have a sheet that will show you all your powers and all your skills and all your ability and all your possessions. And then one person will be the dungeon master. The dungeon master, which is what I do, I'm a referee, but at the same time, I control the setting. So the players control their character, but that's all they control. I control all the other aspects, whether it's the weather, whether it's the setting, anything they're facing. Every turn, the dungeon master will describe the setting Each player will decide what they want to do, and then you roll the dice. The dice determine when you say what you want to do, you will then roll the dice to see if it actually works. And that's Dungeons & Dragons in a nutshell. And to me, what makes D&D so fun is just how it's completely open-ended. You're not restricted by the buttons of a video game or the pages in a book. The game is really only limited by your imagination. And that's also what Robert loved about the game. What intrigued me most about Dungeons & Dragons was the way that uh, it opens the doors to you such creativity all the time. But not everyone shared Robert's passion. When D&D started becoming popular, a lot of people didn't quite understand it. Going back to when I started playing the game in 1982, it certainly was not something that had popular culture appeal. I grew up in a community where when I played it, the community wasn't really happy. They didn't really understand what I was doing. They couldn't wrap their head around the game. It was a fairly fundamentalist community, and so there was a lot of judgment attached to it. In fact, Robert's community wasn't the only one. 
Tonight we begin with a story about make-believe adventure and real-life violence. And what some critics fear is a connection between the two in a game called Dungeons and Dragons. And they have complete descriptions of how to cast spells and how to contact powerful spirits. A lot of adults think it's been connected to a number of suicides and murders. They say it's the general violence and playing with evil characters, suicide curses, and pretend human sacrifice in the game that trigger the tragedies. Some parents thought that kids who played Dungeons and Dragons were doing satanic rituals and practicing the occult, which was thought to be connected to violence. Now today, the connection between violence and D&D has been completely debunked. But still, at the time, this panic made kids feel ashamed. And Robert was no different. There's always been a stigma attached to playing Dungeons and Dragons and to playing role-playing games. And it certainly is something that I haven't gone out announcing to the world that I played. It was something that you kind of kept to yourself and you talked to other people who played. Despite this, Robert pushed on with his love for D&D, continuing that one game he started in 1982. They're trying to take you down, so they're doing double damage and down moves. I wanted to create something that wasn't like other games, and I wanted to create a big world, and that went in for a very long time. I spend so much time trying to create a game that is realistic. When there's danger, I want you to feel the danger. When there's something coming, I want you to fear that. When you lose a character, I want you to be sad. When we return, Robert develops a game so good, it keeps his players coming back year after year, traveling across Canada and even other countries. That's coming up on Great Big Story. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with the story of Robert Wardoff's decades-long game of Dungeons and Dragons. As Robert moved on from high school to college to graduate school, he kept collecting friends who wanted to be a part of his epic game. That group grew from the four they started with to around 60 players today. They are orcs, and they basically take shape like that across the top of the ridge, looking down upon you. Okay, I'll start first. Usually the players that join are people that I've met and then they end up coming into the game or other people bring them in. What are you doing, uh, Uzo? I'm gonna walk towards them, not, and as I walk, I'm gonna shout a greeting to the black Of course, not everybody plays at once, but they come from all over Canada to converge at Robert's house. I flew in from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I drove in from Toronto. I drove in from Brussels, Ontario. I flew in from Calgary, Alberta. And they had a player coming in from the UK via webcam. Hey everyone, how you doing? We could certainly take players from any country around the world with the technology now. And it's not just his friends that Robert recruited for his game. He's created his own family legacy. 
My daughter is now 16, and so uh, she's been part of the game since she was about eight. There's also Robert's absolutely massive collection of figurines and landscapes. I think our collection of miniatures is around 20,000. These tactile visuals help bring the game to life. Robert has everything, from knights to giants to dragons to elves. There are castles and ships, mountains and deserts. Some are on display in cases, and then others are neatly tucked away, stored in meticulously labeled boxes. Ultimately, I'm a collector also. It is a long process, but over 35 years, uh, you can develop quite a collection. He needs all these thousands of pieces to be able to accommodate any place the players want to go. And there's also the real-world history he incorporates into the game. Being a history professor um, and always loving history, I wanted to create a world where I was able to use the history of our world. My world is an alternate Earth, so you can be Roman, you can be Greek, you can be Sumerian, you can be Babylonian, you can be First Nations. And all of this is working towards one goal. And that is the big story Robert is telling. And we're going to need a different voice for this. Here's my friend John. Cue the epic music. The players learned of a great shadow gathering evil forces in the north. They do not know the identity of this malevolent force. They only know it as the Arriver. For the past three decades, our heroes have gathered multiple times a week in preparation for battle with the Arriver. Thank you. That was the right voice. But what makes Robert's game stand out is really the longevity. At no point in 35 years have I gone longer than three weeks without actually playing. If you add the longevity to the game, it adds that element of realism and you understand that you're not simply playing for short-term goals. And so I knew that by making a game that didn't have an end date on it, it would also be something that I could have for all of my life. But something's driven Robert to keep going all these years. Yes, he loves D&D, but there's more to it than just the game. One of the greatest successes of my game has been the fact that it has fulfilled its ultimate objective, which is keeping my friend group together. I knew early on that if I was able to create a game that was good enough, that they would keep coming and they would play with me no matter where I was. And so we have players in the game who have been playing now for over 30 years. We're still at a point where people still, at the end of the day, want to interact with other people. So that personal element will always be an attraction. So sure, the players love the story, and his impressive figurines are a big draw. But what really makes Robert's game so unique is Robert himself. And that is why his friends keep coming back. He's a storyteller, and he's telling a story that can only come from him. The game is... Uh, taken place in my head. It is a product of my imagination. And in a way, the players are playing in a world that I've created inside my head. It makes me happy to know that my players still want to play and that they're excited about playing and they constantly want to play.
In the three years since we visited Robert's basement, the players are still working to take on the ultimate evil, the Arriver. Most of Robert's games this year have been remote. But with players cooped up in their houses, they've actually been playing more than ever. You can see video of Robert's game at greatbigstory.com. And that's it for the first season of the Great Big Story podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed making each episode. Stay tuned for new projects. The Great Big Story podcast is a production of Great Big Story and CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Dave Yim and Michael Fakier. Our executive producers are Sadie Bass and Megan Marcus. Francisco Monroy is our engineer. Raj Makija is our senior production manager. Additional production by Joy Jung, Kelsey Abkin, Evan Chung, and John O'Byrne. Special thanks to Katie Hinman and Ashley Lusk. Courtney Coop is our vice president of digital productions, and Ashley Kodiani is our vice president of brand and digital strategy. I'm Drew Beebe, and hopefully, we'll see you soon.